Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Happy Earth Day, buddies! What better to celebrate Earth Day than talking about yoga with my good buddy, Michael Plasha. How you doing today, buddy? Hi, Nick. So good to see you. I think I should have worn a top hat for that introduction. <laughs> hey, I got you covered, man. Yeah, you do. So yeah. happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day to you, too. You too. It's one of your favorite holidays, isn't it? Absolutely. I love nature. I love being in nature. And in my background with yoga and Ayurveda, uh, both have very deep connections to nature. So nice. I'm all about it. I'm looking out my window at the snow-covered uh, <laughs> property here. And... Um, just always amazed at how Mother Earth does what she needs to do. And we just need to surrender to that and go with the flow of nature. And however, I am happy that it looks like Mother Nature is going to warm things up next week for the start of my outdoor classes at Ooh. Liberty Park. So right now on Monday, forecast is sunny and 55. I'll take it looking out at the window here today. And then on Wednesday, sunny and 75. Put nice. on your shorts, Nick, and come down and join us. Nice. <laughs> nice. If you ever have one on my day off on Thursdays or Fridays, I will be there. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, I'll be on the beach on Thursdays in the summer. So maybe that. Yeah. I would love that. Yes. Yep. Beach yeah. one Thursdays, uh, six o'clock to seven fifteen. Mm, you know where to find me, honey. <laughs> yep, yeah. I can say the same thing here. You know? yep. Whenever my yep. wife wants to know where I am, I'm like, just go to my website and look on my schedule. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or you can text me too, and I'll answer. That too. That too. So I got to start out by asking. How did you discover yoga? Like what, what was, what, let's walk through your journey here. What inspired you to be a yoga instructor? Right, right. Great question. All right. I'll try and come up with the succinct answer. So basically uh, for me, um, growing up in the sixties uh, near nature, um, I was aware of this movement towards meditation and yoga and psychedelics and um, social uh, equity. And uh, so that all just came together for me. Um, and also on a personal level, um, I grew up with a, a lot of stress in my household. And I would um, take walks in nature as a way to reduce that stress. Mm. And we literally lived next to a nature preserve outside of Cincinnati at the time. And so that was my uh, go-to to, to reduce stress. So um, later on in my teens, um, I was still pretty stressed out um, with school and what am I going to do with my life and um, somewhat of a turbulent household I was living in. And I became aware of how other people were coping with stress. 
So there was drugs, there was alcohol, um, there was meditation, uh, there was yoga. And so I began to explore all of the above and then recognize that drugs and alcohol was not a sustainable lifestyle where yoga and meditation are. Uh -huh. um, and there were pioneers before me, uh, nationwide national pioneers became icons really like Ram Das, um, who was originally Richard Alpert, who along with Timothy Leary, they were um, looking at research behind how LSD might help people with mental, mental illness. Now this is the early 60s the Harvard psychedelic experiment, if you will, which has been very much written about. And um, that um, had its challenges. And, and eventually Ram Dass, while Richard Albert, he, he left Harvard and went to India and met a guru there and then embarked on a complete lifestyle change. And, um, began teaching uh, primarily meditation, but also yoga from the early 70s on. He just passed um, maybe a year or so ago. Um, so he was one of, of several people that I saw make this transition from um, using psychedelics to explore different levels of consciousness uh, to meditation to do the same thing without the side effects. Um, so for me, it was a combination of how do I reduce stress and how do I expand my mind in a natural way? And so that's it. That, that's the answer to your question. That's what got me going. And then eventually I said, wow, this is really great for me. Uh, it's been great for other people. How do I share this with other people? So I started to teach in a very um, um, small way in the living room of my house, uh, free classes for you know four or five people. We'd have some herbal tea afterwards and chat a little bit, and then they would go. So I did that for a while and then started teaching at a few places in Erie. So now we're talking my living room, that was in the mid eighties. And then public classes would be early 90s. Hmm. Uh, but I wasn't certified and I felt that was important um, to actually do a training that would be evaluated by senior teachers. And so that I could get their feedback and to learn more and learn how, how best to teach others. So eventually I um, did that a 200 hour plus residential training down in Yogaville, Virginia. It's Ooh. not the state of mind, it is a place. <laughs> and um, so I came back in 96, fall of 96, and uh, was the first person in, year, in Erie to become certified as a yoga teacher. So since then I've just been continuing my training, my study, my practice, my experience of teaching others, have learned so much from my students um, as to how best serve them and how to adapt yoga postures to um, people's individual bodies. It, to me, that, that's a really big skill set is how do we make yoga accessible to everybody? So I, I'm really delighted that I've taught yoga meditation to people in wheelchairs, for example, mm -hmm. uh, people on hospital beds, uh, people of all shapes, sizes and colors. Um, and then that's really uh, what, what I think we, we all ought to be doing in the world of yoga, making it accessible to all people. Yes. Yes. And that's a follow up question. So you are able to adapt to students like you are able to like someone like me who has dwarfism mm -hmm. or you know maybe someone who like you said has a bad back or has you know just something you're able to find adaptations or ways to teach them where they can still get some of the same benefits yes absolutely now you know there are some red flags <laughs> um, and uh, you know that might relate to um uh 
not just the, the physical body, but also the mental body. So, you know, there could be some psychological afflictions that would preclude someone from taking yoga, for example. Um, and, you know, it could be maybe just someone who, um, you know, ha who is in a manic stage of bipolar, you know, wouldn't mm -hmm. be in, in the right frame of mind to take a yoga class or someone who's really depressed. Um, and then with, with physical uh, situations, uh, an acute rotator cuff in, injury would preclude um, some types of postural yoga. It would depend. Um, same with someone with acute sciatica or a serious back issue. So there are some things, you know, that, that would that we would have to consider carefully. Um, mm -hmm. We certainly don't want to aggravate any pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. um, and so in some cases, it's really having them consult with their doctor. We, you know, we, I'm not a doctor. Most yoga teachers are not doctors. And it's not our job to diagnose, you know. So we can hear the symptoms. And then if it's something concerning, they really need to check it out with their primary care physician or a specialist. And then let us know, you know, if they can do anything and what they can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about the opposite. Let's talk about the health benefits of yoga. What are some key health benefits that you can point out that you've seen throughout your career? There are so many. Um, I, I would say some of the top ones, and, the, and these are listed on my website. Mm -hmm. So if someone goes to plashayoga.com, the class page, I have them all listed. And, and these are ones that have good science behind them, scientifically researched benefits of yoga. In general, uh, depending on a person's lifestyle and how often they're practicing, you know, there are variables. In general, um, yoga can help someone to reduce high blood pressure, perhaps reduce um, LDL cholesterol. Um, it can definitely help people to feel um, more comfortable in their bodies and specifically with their backs. So there's a lot of good research about yoga for lower back discomfort. Mm. Um, yoga can help obviously reduce stress. Um, it can help to um, strengthen the nervous system, stimulate what's called the vagus nerve, the wandering nerve that connects to many systems in the body. And, and uh, just through the breathing practices alone, uh, we can tone the vagus nerve, at, which can help us to um, calm down, reduce stress, and actually digest food better. Mm. Just a few things. There's more on my website. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's. A, I'm sure there's a whole. You can make a whole book out of it, probably. <laughs> oh, and there have been books written on it, and Ooh. I use some in my teacher trainings. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Tell us about those. The teacher trainings. What's that all about? Well, I try to offer one. Um, you know, annually, uh, if I get enough interest, and um, they're quite um, thorough. Um, so, uh, it, it's all, um, like my teacher training either meets or exceeds the mm -hmm. guidelines that, um, have been created by Yoga Alliance, which is a nonprofit organization that has set standards for yoga teachers and yoga schools. So, uh, mine meets the 200 hours. And, uh, so we have 10 full weekends um, plus classes in between weekends and, uh, homework, uh, to meet the 200 hours. So it's very thorough. Um, and my, my goal is to help people get very comfortable with teaching, learning how to do uh, verbal cueing, directing people, uh, so they don't have to demonstrate the whole time or touch anybody. Um, so they could literally um, be a yoga teacher in a wheelchair and teach a solid class without having to demonstrate 
much of anything. Mm. Um, and I know some yoga teachers who um, teach from wheelchairs and they're very good. Um, so that that's a goal there for me. Um, I also want to help people um, deepen their own understanding of themselves. And, and that's a big part of the training. Um, and also another big goal is teaching them, training them how to adapt uh, the postures for different types of bodies, how to make it more accessible to people. So those would be some goals. Um, I've trained, I don't know, something like over 90 yoga and meditation people. So I offer meditation teacher trainings too. That's a separate thing. But between the two um, trainings, I've trained like over 90 people in, in the area to teach yoga or meditation. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, we've talked about the health benefits of yoga. What about the spiritual benefits? I know you probably read a whole separate book on that one, too. <laughs> there are many books on that. Yeah, my library is full of those. Mm-hmm. Well, um, ultimately, the goal, the goal of traditional yoga. All right. So but one thing I think we have to understand here when we, we talk about yoga is there's different perceptions of it, right? <laughs> so over the years, people will say, oh, yeah, that's for stretching. I can't do that. I'm not flexible enough. Or, oh, yeah, that's that, you know, uh, really slow form of exercise. I don't like to slow down. I like to do things fast, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So here's an important distinction. There's postural yoga. Mm -hmm. That's the yoga of the postures, the physical yoga. That may or may not include uh, breathing practices, meditation, stress management practices, like relaxation practices, it may or may not include that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of yoga out there, you know, and there's, um, you know, one type of postural yoga has been called gym yoga. So that's really focused just on a physical workout with um, very little of anything else I described. You know, no meditation, no formal breathing practices, uh, a very short relaxation at the end. So that's usually considered the non-spiritual yoga. Mm -hmm. Okay. So traditional yoga, I mean, when I say traditional, we're talking two, three thousand years before Christ. What were those yogis doing? You know? they were doing more of what we would consider religious or spiritual practices. So they were praying, they were meditating, they were doing different worship rituals. Um, They were attempting to have a deeper understanding of their own psychologies. You know, why do I do what I do? Who am I? What's the purpose of life? If there is a God, how do I connect to this God? You know, Um, so that all came way before um, what was, you know, called Hatha yoga, which was the first form of postural yoga. So now we're talking, let's fast forward up to about the 1300s, 1300 AD. That's when the postures started to get codified. And there were very few. And, and they were mostly meditation po- postures. Um, the rest were called uh, cultural postures. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward to early 1900s, many, many more postures were added. And some of them were actually were inspired by Swedish calisthenics and British gymnastics. So this is like early 1900s began to add to the the previous ones. And now we fast forward up into like the 1990s when the fitness industry embraced yoga. And then many, many more postures were added to that. And the focus just kept increasingly leaned or skewed towards uh, postures over anything else. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, 
But when shopping around for yoga, I think it's important to assess what is my intention? Do I just want a physical workout or do I want more than that? Mm. Okay. So, you know, getting up to, I think your original question, uh, the spirituality of it, usually that's related to meditation. Mm -hmm. And it can also be related to chanting. Chanting as a spiritual practice, chanting the names of God, chanting divine names, uh, using what are called mantras. And, and mantra yoga is the oldest of the yogas. So that goes back to that early period where um, people were using mantras in worship practices, um, in offerings, uh, or um, in ways to uh, focus the mind and to, to help remove uh, unskillful thoughts from the mind or unnecessary thoughts. So that, that interesting word mantra, it means to calm or to heal the mind. And I love mantra yoga because it's user-friendly, it's accessible yoga, anyone can do it. Uh, I can do it anytime during the day when I don't need to use my mind for a constructive purpose. Mm. So think about that. You know, I tend to have a lot of downtime with constructive thinking. So I could be, and here's an example. A after we're done, I'm going to cook lunch. Mm -hmm. right? And then I'm going to prepare dinner for my family for later. All right. Now I could be thinking about anything in my head. I can be, I could be dwelling on the past, worrying about the future, judging something. I could have a full blown conversation in my head about somebody or some place. And these I all consider unnecessary thoughts. They're just filling my mind space, you know? Or I could be mentally repeating a mantra. Now, mantras have a vibration. The most famous is Om, right? Um, everybody knows, typically knows Om. Uh, it's used sometimes in, um, Oh, humorous ways in mass media. <laughs> so anyway, the point is that um, if my mind is repeating a mantra, the thinking is that that vibration will go into not only myself, but into my cooking. So I'm sending good vibrations into the cooking, which has a subtle effect on whoever eats it. All right. So here's an example. Have you ever gone into a restaurant and maybe the energy is like kind of angry or you're hearing, you know, maybe you're hearing an argument in the kitchen, you, you know, maybe the yep. chef is angry or you've heard, oh, you know, oh, this this restaurant chef has anger issues, you know, um, would you want to eat their food, you know, or would you prefer to eat food from someone who is feeling love <laughs> in their hearts mm -hmm. and a positive vibration, you know, and they're putting that love into their food, you know. That's yeah. what I would prefer, you know, to eat mm -hmm. myself, right? Yeah. So that's an example of uh, mantras. And could you excuse me one second? I'm here at home and I need to let my dogs out there. No problem. No problem. I'll take, a, I'll take the screen for you. And I'll um, be right back. Cool. Take your time. Take your time. All right. Thank you for all of our buddies who are joining us today. We are joined by Michael Plasha talking all about yoga. So thank you all for joining us. Please look up his website, plashayoga.com. I'm learning so much from just this interview alone. So thank you so much, Michael, for joining us here. He'll be right back. He's just taking a brief intermission. But please, guys, consider the benefits of yoga. Please. I mean, my, my mom does yoga and she loves it. So it's her activity. But look, he's back. I'm back. The dogs are outside. The okay. gladders will be gladder. And yeah. I, I, I love your mom. Lisa is just a peach. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what I, you know, I love yoga. She, that's her thing. Like, that's her thing. Like, everyone in the house has their own thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, I do buddy cast. Uh, mm -hmm. My sister golfs. My brother plays video games online or 
you know, um, he used to play baseball. My dad does a million things like bocce and curling and all that stuff. My yeah. mom, she has yoga. And it's yeah. always a set night. Like it's always Monday nights or Thursday nights, yoga. Right. No disruption whatsoever. If it's an emergency, call your father or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, here's an aspect of yoga that, that some people aren't aware of. All right. So, you know, relative to the history of yoga, I made a quick distinction between postural yoga and then there's these other yogas. So I'm going to give you a really quick sketch of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and they were originally created to help people. Um, well, I'll put it this way. The, the original yogis understood that we have different temperaments, just kind of how you outlined your family, you know, different interests. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think this is kind of brilliant. So they understood that there's like different kinds of temperaments. So they laid out different kinds of yogas to help those people. So one is called bhakti yoga. This is the yoga of love and devotion, the uh, worship. I think of most religions as a form of bhakti yoga. You know, you go in, you pray, maybe you sing, uh, maybe you dance, maybe you light an altar candle, you pray for somebody, uh, you worship. So that's all forms of bhakti yoga. And it can appeal to anyone who likes the idea of love, <laughs> love, loving themselves, loving others, loving their pets, you know, loving nature. It's Earth Day, loving the earth. Uh, and then they uh, created what's called karma yoga. And that's really for uh, any of us who have jobs, who are parents, who uh, work. Uh, it's for really anyone who's not a monastic living in a monastery. And karma yoga is the yoga of selfless service. So we perform our actions to the best of our ability, but we let go of looking for anything in return. Uh, let go of looking for rewards or perks or how many likes did I get on this post on Facebook? You, you know, it's just selfless service. Um, you do it for the joy of service. Um, and the goal of all these yogas as I move along, like kind of the bigger perspective, is that the yogis understood what can, what can block our ability to reconnect with spirit is the ego, the ego. So all these yogas are designed to somehow purify and then transcend the ego. So we all, you know, obviously we all need an ego. We, we need to have some sense of, you know, this is who I am in a way, right? Uh, but they take it to the level of there's uh, skillful egos, egos that have been purified, and then unskillful e egos where people become really selfish. Mm -hmm. So a purified ego is one of selflessness, and so like bhakti yoga, love purifies that ego so that we can uh, connect with spirit. In karma yoga, it's the action of selfless service that purifies the ego so that we can connect with spirit. Um, in uh, another fascinating yoga that I, I love all of them, I'm a bhakti at heart, I would say. Uh, is what's called jnana yoga, the yoga of wisdom and knowledge and discernment. And it it's, uh, tends to appeal to more of the intellectual person, where like bhakti yoga might appeal to more of the emotional person, karma yoga, the active person, if you will, in general. So jnana yoga is really about uh, understanding the mind. Some say it's the most difficult of the yogas. Uh, because it's hard to get free of the ego when you have an ego. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of discernment, um, that particular yoga. But ultimately, the goal is the same, which is to get free of the ego so you can connect with spirit. And then uh, the last of the big yogas, which I'm actually going to connect to Earth Day, is called Raja Yoga. And Raja Yoga, Raja means the royal path. And it's quite inclusive. 
So it has elements of all those other yogas I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, and it tends to appeal to someone who um, is uh, intellectual. Um, they like to use their willpower to overcome challenges in life. Um, they, they like to really chew on things and, and they need a big system to help them. Um, so th there are many, many, many practices in Raja Yoga. Uh, that would be a five-hour buddy cast, I think. Uh, <laughs> I've actually given weekend workshops on it, just Ooh. on Raja Yoga. Uh, but but here's, here's one gem that relates to Earth Day. <clears throat> um, the, Raja Yoga lays out eight limbs, the eight limbs of yoga leading to enlightenment or being reunited with God or spirit like all day long. All mm -hmm. right, so that's the highest level, the eighth limb. All right, so um, the first limb is called the yamas and it's basically ways to live in harmony with ourselves, others and planet earth. Um, and one of the yamas is, is um, a parigraha or non-greed, non-greed. So it invites us to think about how can I reduce greed in my life related to people and the planet? So how can I reduce my carbon footprint? You know, how many, like how many things do I really need in life? How many shoes do I need? How many cars? How many things do I need? Um, my wife and I have embarked on a minimalist lifestyle. And my wife has really taken, taken the lead with that. So we've been reducing things, reducing clothes, reducing objects, and really looking at what is the value of a thing and why do I really need that thing? You know, and, and is the thing of intrinsic worth in itself or not? And can I find meaningful content in my life and fulfillment without things? And how do I do that? Well, the yogis say, if we reunite with spirit, with the divinity within each of us, we are automatically fulfilled. Like everything we're looking for is within ourselves. Contentment, satisfaction, meaningful life. It's all within us, which means that we can still enjoy people, places, and things, but we aren't dependent upon them for our meaning, which means then ultimately we're free. We, we aren't codependent on people, places, and things, you know, um, we're free of that. So we can enjoy it, but we aren't attached to it. We aren't dependent on it. We aren't dependent on substances like drugs, alcohol, you know? So that is one of the goals of yoga is to become free, what, what they call moksha liberation or freedom uh, while in this body, independence. So that's one of the traditional goals of yoga and the yamas are helping us to move in that direction. And that's just one of parigraha. You know, how, how do I reduce my carbon footprint? How can I not be greedy with mother earth and be a steward of the, of nature of earth instead of exploiting Mother Earth for a profit, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's just one, one, of, one of the Raja Yoga practices I, that mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about because it's Earth Day. Yes. You know what this is all reminding me of? I'm getting this song in my head. You've, heard, you've seen the movie Pocahontas before, right? Uh-huh. It's painting with all the colors of the wind, you know? Uh -huh. It's like they say in the song, you can own the earth, but still all you'll earn is earth until you can paint with the colors of mm -hmm. the wind. Yeah, that's so beautiful, right? Yes. Yes, it truly is. And 
for one, I would love, love, we'll talk after the show. I'd love to learn the clearing of the mind. Like you said, just cooking lunch and we all do that. We all drift, you know, in our minds because we have that time. Like we're focusing on lunch, but then we're thinking about like how that coworker upset us yesterday or mm-hmm. how something simple, like how we have a lot to do here and it's just getting, and it builds up in us. It, it reflects on us. Sometimes even the more we reflect on those ideas, we end up, you know, lighting them out in the wrong places at the wrong time. Like we, you know, a bad day of work. Then we call our significant other afterwards and, you know, we want to be happy and cheerful for them. But at the same time, we just, we're so stressed at everything. We're so that we unintentionally throw out a rant or something. Like we unintentionally just right. go, Hey, just, I just need, you know, I just need to get something off my chest real quick. But what did they have anything to do with it? You know? Right. Like, they weren't at work with us. They weren't the ones who, right. you know, pushed us over. So would love to, would love to learn that one day. And, um, and like, like you said, they're, they're just, just the beautiful things of like being a minimalist being, I have a joke about that saying that um, every time my mom tries to encourage me to be a minimalist, like go through your closet, see what you can give out. Mm-hmm. Every time I pick out an outfit, like I haven't worn this in almost a year. I yeah. rarely wear it. So every time I try to throw it out, my mom or girlfriend will look at it and go, really? You're throwing that one out? That looks good on you or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it just yeah we, we, we try to look at things and say, have I used this in the last six months? Mm-hmm. You know, and if I haven't, then it's out. I'm mm-hmm. going to give it to someone or recycle it somehow. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But, um, related to what you said, um, you know, we can do a simple practice right now. Ooh, let's okay? do it. Let's yeah. do it. So um, in yoga and in meditation, there's a type of practice called mindfulness. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a pretty, you know, well-known word these days, mindfulness, right? Instead of mindlessness. So what are we filling the mind with? We're filling it with being in the present moment with sensations, all right? So let's do this. And then I'm going to then uh, apply it to, let's say, cooking. Okay. But you can apply this tech. What I love about mindfulness, it's really a lifestyle. And we can apply it to everything in life, any activity, any project, whatever we're doing. As you know, we can do it either like on automatic pilot, unconsciously, mindlessly, or we can do it mindfully, right? So the analogy I, I always give to students over the years is have you ever driven a car from point A to B? And you're amazed when you get to point B, like, how did I even get there? Mm -hmm. You know, because we were in our heads so much, we were spinning in our thoughts. Thank God for automatic pilot, because there was a part of us that still knew how to drive the car, even Mm -hmm. though we were in our heads. And then we, you know, we get to the destination and we're like, whoa, how did I get here? I was like in my head the whole time. Right. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is the opposite of that. So. Just take a moment, just check your posture and just become aware of the feeling of sitting. Feel your feet on the floor. Feel the sensation of the feet. Do the feet feel heavy or light? Do they feel warm or cool? Do the feet feel tense or relaxed? And try not to judge anything. You're just being aware of the sensations without judging it. And then just feel maybe the socks on your feet or the shoes, the weight of that. Then just be aware of the legs and maybe the weight of the pants on your legs, for example and any sensations related to the legs. Again, just accept what's there, no judgment. Then feel yourself sitting on your chair and the weight of that. Then move the awareness up to um, the back 
in the front of the, of the trunk, the abdomen and chest, the whole of the back, feeling the weight of the clothes on those areas. Noticing any, any sensations, maybe temperature or any little um, areas of, of tightness or tension or tingling or itching. And become aware of the hands, the arms, the shoulders, same thing. Just being aware of any sensations there. Then moving up to the neck area, front, sides, back of the neck, another place we can hold some sensations. And become aware of the whole of the face, the jaw, the forehead. Awareness of, of the entire head, the sides of the head, the back and the top, the scalp. Just noticing any sensations. Now just become aware of your natural breath. Try not to manipulate it in any way and just feel the, the breath flowing in and out naturally. Now take your mindful awareness outside yourself and just be aware of the space around you. Perhaps any sounds that are coming and going or the temperature in the room, the light in the room. Natural inhalation, natural exhalation. Then just bring your awareness back to our space buddy and do, you know, we've been in our heads talking about hopefully interesting things to your audience, mm -hmm. um, but we just took a moment really to get into our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. so how did that feel to you? It felt really great. I will say, I felt like a sensation when you said like, be aware of your surroundings. I just moved into a new home and mm -hmm. That's the first thing that came to my mind was like new home and this like sensation came off it. It was kind of like a kind of like a tingle a little bit or something. It was like that full body, like when you exhale mm -hmm. type of deal. Right, right. So, yeah. Well, wonderful. Mm -hmm. So you can take that that basic practice into anything we're doing. So like when when I leave to go cook, I'm gonna try and the word the word is try and and we always want to be gentle with our process mm -hmm. um, but i'm going to try to be in the present moment so when i'm chopping the vegetables i'm feeling the movement of the chopping of the vegetables you know and i'm i'm looking at the vegetables i'm observing their colors their textures the smells you know and then when i begin to cook you know it's that same really enjoying the smells that are being released from the cooking. And then eventually, you know, when sitting down to eat, there's a whole mindfulness practice of that, you know, where you observe the food, you observe perhaps wanting to eat the food quickly, maybe. Uh, you might observe salivating um, and then you observe uh, and feel, you know, using a utensil to pick some food up, you bring it close up, you're smelling it, you put a bit in your mouth before you even begin to chew. You're just aware of that in the mouth, the weight of it, you know, maybe salivating more 
and then beginning to chew it very slowly until it's liquid before you actually swallow it. So that would be, you know, an aspect of mindfulness of eating where how often do we just eat on automatic pilot or unconsciously? You know, we're just like shoveling down food. We don't really taste it. And we're in a big rush and to off to the next thing. Um, and we aren't really present to the food. And, and there's some interesting studies that say if we eat slowly and mindfully, we eat less food than if we eat quickly, which could be uh, part of a plan to lose weight for some people. You know, why are we eating? What's the intention behind eating? Am I eating because I'm bored, I'm restless, I'm in a hurry, I'm anxious, I'm stressed out? You know, um, there's that craving hormone called cortisol when we're stressed out, we'll eat too much or eat for the wrong reasons. Where if we're relaxed and we're eating mindfully, we aren't, we aren't stimulating cortisol at all, you know? Instead, we're stimulating the vagus nerve, which helps us to relax and digest. And typically, uh, we eat less when, when we eat mindfully. Is that, is that fascinating? That is. Um, that that could contribute to a weight loss program for some people. And you're absolutely right. There are times like how many times just before we go somewhere, like before we go to work, Hey, I'm just going to grab a quick burger at McDonald's or something. Cause we know it's quick, it's efficient, it's filling. And we just scarf it down and then walk into work. Yeah. We don't take the time to enjoy the burger. We don't take the time to enjoy just the, you know, all that stuff. It's just a quick done. Done. Right. But you're right. Like I'm gonna make, you know, I'm gonna make lunch too after this, and just be in there. Like I'm gonna test that. I'm gonna say, like, you know, take a bite, enjoy this. You got some time today, right? Yeah. What's the hurry? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and I think you know when we eat fast, it's not filling. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it, there might be that moment of oh, I feel filled up, but is it really fulfilling? Mm-hmm. And, and if we're eating empty, you know, if we're eating like empty calories um, and unhealthy food, uh, it tends to be less filling than um, than healthy food. You know, food that is natural from Mother Earth, food in its natural state. Like I'm going to be chopping up carrots in a little bit, you know, and par- and potatoes and some other things and um food in its natural state tends to be much more fulfilling and filling than uh preserved food so like in yoga again you know the yogis really understood relationship to nature uh because we are nature and how you know uh, we are what we eat we are what we think we are what we feel we are what we understand. We are what we perceive. And in terms of diet, you know, the yogic lifestyle diet, traditional, has always been plant-based and food in its most natural state, local. Yeah, I, I know it's difficult. I can't go out in my yard right now and pull out a carrot. <laughs> you know, but I can go to the grocery store and, and get a carrot that maybe has been grown as close to Erie as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so they understood um, plant-based diet uh, in traditional yoga, uh, vegetarian, you know, no, no meat. They didn't want to harm animals on any level, no dairy. Um, so typically a vegan diet uh, no alcohol, no cigarettes, no drugs. Um, uh, and, and again, no, no um, artificial foods or preserved foods. So that, that's the traditional yogic diet. Um, and many people talk about that now. Um, and scientists and, you know, doctors and it, it's not really new news at all, you know, that a plant-based diet is going to 
be healthier for most people and result in less of the main um, illnesses that kill people, you know, like, like heart disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, well, any last questions for me? Yes, I actually have three more if you're okay. Okay. The first one is actually make that four. I'll ask this one real quick. So we can find all your classes on your website. Like you offer different classes, different um, forms. Like for example, someone like me, like a beginner class or Correct. someone who's taken yoga before, but like my mother who is very keen on it and is looking for something actually that extra level. Right. Right. Yes. Um, I offer all levels and it's on my website that you just showed. Thank you. Plashyoga.com. And you can go to the class page. There's also a schedule. If you're using a laptop or a computer, it's in the upper right hand corner. It's like a pull out schedule of the day um, and the week ahead with classes. If you're using uh, an iPhone, uh, that pull out schedules at the bottom of the page. Uh, or you can just go to the class page. And um, I offer all levels uh, for folks. I have general beginners in restorative yoga, you know, regular beginner level, beginner and beyond, vigorous flow for people who want more of an active practice. Uh, but in, in all the classes, um, to bring in some of these other yogas, I always try to have some kind of inspirational or spiritual theme mm -hmm. at the start and then interwoven throughout the class. And then in addition to the postures, there's a focus on breathing, mm -hmm. uh, relaxing and meditation. So mm -hmm. I try to do that to distinguish it from just a physical workout. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Now I'm going to ask you three questions. I always ask my buddies that come on the show. I don't call them guests. I call them buddies. Yeah, I love that. The first one is in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Hmm. I think it means to, um, to share like-minded values and to be supportive of where the other person is in their journey through life and um, to be there as a good listener, um, to listen to that person with compassion and acceptance, not, no judgment. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's for me uh, what it means to be a buddy. Beautiful. Beautiful. And you're right. No judgment. No judgment. Like like going to family reunions even and just coming home and going, boy, have you seen cousin Joe's wife today or something like that, you know? <laughs> just be their buddy. Just be with family. Be loving, you know? Right. Yeah, except where they are. Mm -hmm. And um, and sometimes that's, that can be challenging, you know, if someone has radically different core values mm -hmm. than yourself, you know? So, you know, personally, sometimes um, I, I follow the advice of one of my um, yoga teachers from a long time ago, a Swami, who said, you know, see, see God in everyone, but use your discernment. And in some cases, see God from a distance. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in some cases, I, you know, I can't, I just can't be around certain people who have very different values. Uh, I can't be around someone who might have racist values, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to try to change them, you know, um, but I, you know, will uh, respect them from a distance by not trying to change them. Mm -hmm. Going back yeah. to the, Going back to the song, you think the only people who are people are the people who think and look like you. Right. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Any, anything else? Yes. So two more questions. The first one is, if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why? Oh, um, 
I love the Erie Food Bank. I think it's a, a, you know, a wonderful organization. I've supported them in the past for many years uh, with holiday classes where um, all you need to do to, to take the class is bring in a non-perishable food item. And then I deliver it all later uh, after the holidays. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to do that this past uh, two winters because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. but, um, but it's a wonderful organization um, to help the needy, to help people who don't have food. And, and I, I try to take it to another level. So I ask my yoga students to bring in something that's organic, Ooh. that's really healthy. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, someone might be just, you know, just surviving and they're going to appreciate any kind of food they're getting. But my hope is that if they get a box of something really unusual they've never seen or had before, like let's say quinoa, you know, that it might it might change their lives. They might be like, oh this is really good and healthy. And when I'm able to do it myself, I want to get some of this stuff, you know? Um, so, and my yoga students have been great about bringing in organic foods and, and, you know, things that typically aren't available at the food bank. Mm, that's um, wonderful. That is truly wonderful. And it's better than just, Hey, let's just give them a can of corn again, or let's just be, you know, the one yeah. can of green beans that we just, found in our pantry today or something, you know? Yeah. Like step it up a little bit, you know? Yeah, exactly. And now it's time for what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. <laughs> you ready for this? I don't know. We'll see. For anyone out there who wants to take yoga, who wants to get into yoga, what is your advice to them? My advice is to assess your needs. Do a personal needs assessment. You know, what I, what do I need? What am I looking for? So if someone is just looking for a physical workout where they're going to sweat and they tell me that, I'll say, I'm not your guy. You know, go, go to this person or this place. You know, if someone is looking for a way to um, really uh, connect with their core self, to um, learn lots of ways to practice yoga off the yoga mat, like Aparigraha that I mentioned earlier, um, who wants to learn relaxation practice, how to breathe functionally for life, you know, um, how to be more mindful during our days, then I might be your guy. But I think it really mm -hmm. starts with intention and core value assessment, you know, because um, there's a lot of different types of yoga out there. There's speed yoga, you know, there's hot yoga, there's normal temperature yoga, there's slow yoga, there's really slow yoga, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That's perfect. <laughs> well, that, well, I won't keep you from your lunch long any longer, buddy. So thank you so so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. i certainly learned a lot and if i can find the time hopefully during the summer or during you know any time then i will certainly i'll certainly look into this i will certainly we'll yeah. be in touch I would, love, I would love to see you and be with you yes, yes. thank you so much nick for thinking yes. about me having me on of I course I hope this will serve others well. Yes. And I'm happy to have another buddy in my life. Thank you. Yes. Hey, you are an official buddy on BuddyCast, <laughs> and you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. So, for all my buddies out there, this is my buddy, Michael Plasha. Please, if you are in Erie, Pennsylvania, and you are just looking for a way of meditation or just a way to just relax, do something, look them up. Look them up. So... But, Michael, I have one favor to ask you today okay. before we end the show. I want you to go out and be someone's buddy. Sounds perfect. I'll do that. All righty. We'll catch you all next time here on everybody's favorite, favorite podcast, BuddyCast. When the days are going.
Yes. Yeah.